Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to my own The Shoulders of Giants YouTube channel. I am Joseph Ward, the founder, author, and creator of Own The Shoulders of Giants, where we tell the stories of the sung unsung heroes of the African diaspora. African history at your fingertips. We mostly focus on the unsung heroes. Um, we just recently crossed 7,000 subscribers on this channel. So first and foremost, I wanna say thank you to all of my subscribers. Thank you to everybody who have been following this channel, supporting this channel since day one. All of my new subscribers, everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, all the calls that you've given me, all the shares, all the comments, everything that's helped this channel grow. I appreciate it because I'm doing my best to make sure I find the the real history of the African diaspora and give it out to help empower and uplift and educate our people about a lot of the accomplishments that black people have made throughout the world. We've done a lot. We've done a lot. And I just want to thank everybody for being a part of this journey with me. Um, remember to like this video, comment on this video, share this video. And if you haven't subscribed, if you're a new person to, to this channel, or you just seen this video, please subscribe, please subscribe. Remember, like, comment, subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend about On the Shows of Giants, where we tell the stories of the sun and unsung heroes of the African diaspora. And also, please make sure you, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com backslash O-T-S-O-G. All right, so today I got a good video for you today, a good conversation about the Lido Road Project. Um, I was scrolling through social media and um, I so happened to check in my Facebook messages and I saw a link to a website. And when I actually got the link to the website, opened it up and I started reading this information about the Lido Road, I was like, this is fascinating information. We're talking more unsung history, more untold stories. And you know, that's my thing. I like to dig deep and find these stories and uncover them. And what's fascinating about this story is it's being told by, by a person that I respect, by a person that I met when I was actually in college, who has spent 10 years researching this information. And we now have enough information to see the, I guess you could say the, the wholeness of the African, the African American contribution to the building of the Lido Road. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Dr. Jerry C to our own shows of Giants channel. How you doing, Dr. C? Hi, hi Joseph. Thanks so much for this invitation and this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you for, uh, first of all, putting together this masterful information, but also agreeing to be here so we can talk about it on this channel. Cause I thought, I just thought this was a perfect match. Mm -hmm. um, it's you, first of all, it's, it's you. So that's cool. And then this the information about the Lido Road. And I know I'm just learning about it. Now I want to make sure that all of my viewers on YouTube have a chance to learn about this information. So thank you once again for being here. So, so my first question is, when did you first become knowledgeable about the Lido Road? And what made you get interested in learning more about the Lido Road? Well, that's such a great question. You know, um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. So we, uh, during the 50s, we always had a close group of people who were friends of my mom and dad. My mother was a nurse. My dad owned his own tailor shop. So we, we always had people in and out of the house and people I've known all my life. Well, um, when my mother passed, uh, I moved to Tallahassee right after that in 97. When I was here, I decided to make some phone calls to some people who had been, you know, helpful throughout that whole process. And I called the woman who gave me my baby book, Miss uh -huh. Lil Lassane. <laughs> and okay. I, <laughs> I had an apartment over there on Willow Bend Way, Lord. It was 1997. Right. And I called her, talking to her, chatting. I said, you know, Miss Lassane, I heard you were in the Army, an Army nurse. I said, well, where were you stationed? She said, uh, oh, we were in Tagat, Burma. Right. I was like, what? <laughs> right. And the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Every time I think about it, I just get chills all over again because I'm like, I've known this woman all my life. Mm -hmm. All of my life. 
And here she is sitting in front of me. She spent her youth in Tagat, Burma. Uh, she's an anest nurse anesthetist. And she right. and mom went to school together over in Philly where the black nurses had to learn. But I said, okay, okay, Tagat, Burma, what were you doing over there? She said, oh, we, you know, we were building the Lido Road. I was like, oh, Jesus. The what? Like the what? <laughs> right. I said, I, I've never heard of that. What do you mean? The, the, and she went on to tell me that the Chinese were our allies and the Chinese were holding the Japanese back. Okay. We had uh -huh. been fighting the Okay. Well, the Japanese had captured the main supply route because they didn't have any war materials. We were sending them uh, bombs, trucks, uh, all kinds of parts, whatever it was that they needed to fight the war, we sent it to them. And we took uh -huh. it in through uh, Burma, through the Burma Road up into China, into Kunming, over that way. Well, right. the Chinese captured the Burma Road, so we couldn't get the materials to them. So they, the army and everybody decided, well, we'll, we'll go to India, we'll fly these materials to them, called mm -hmm. over the hump, flying over the hump. Well, the hump were the Himalaya mountains. Well, you can't right. fly stuff over that, it's too heavy. <laughs> so they decided that ain't gonna work because the, you know, the planes, okay. So they decided they were going to build a road. And they ended up having to run out of Burma because the Japanese were chasing them, right? And they right. were running in, running away from the, the border between Burma and China, and they were running toward India. And it happens that they, um, these are all just regular army people right now. And they had to run by using the footpath of the native people of Burma. So in order uh -huh. to get over to India, they were following these old traditional routes that had always been there. Well, that leader decided, they asked him what would be the best way to get this road built. And he remembered these footpaths that he had used to run out of Burma. And so they basically uh -huh. went back in and tried to follow that footprint from India okay. through Burma and into China. So the road is like a thousand miles long mm -hmm. over the Himalaya mountains, over all these rivers. And what happened was they followed that footprint until they got to kind of like the border of China. And then they had to go another 200 miles into Kunming. It, and right. that's where all the supplies ended up. Once they got to Kunming with different whatever, they left it all there and a plane would fly him back and they'd do it all over again. Now, so you're talking about 6,000 black troops. Uh, they had their own hospital because of segregation. Uh -huh. And that's Miss Lassane. She was a nurse at the 335th Station Hospital in Tagat, Burma, which is at the top of one of the mountains. Okay. Right. So they had to have everybody, truck drivers, um, people who would string the communication lines, people who would um, have the pipeline, the oil, it's a pipeline that goes all the way from Lido, India, all right, the way right. through. So, and then of course you had to have the road builders, the people who built the road. And then you had to have people who could build a bridge. Do you remember when the bridge went out in Pensacola? Yes. One of yes. those, okay. Do you remember the one lane bridge they put there? Yes. It's a pontoon bridge. And that's mm -hmm. the kind of bridge they built during World War II over these mountains okay. during these, because remember, they had flooding there so bad because they had the monsoon season. See? So when right. the monsoons came, all the rivers would overflow, bridges would be washed out, and they had all these men who knew how to build the pontoon bridges. So you had thousands of these black folks over there doing this work, and it was 24 mm -hmm. hours a day, three shifts. Right. So, all day, all night. And so most of the builders of the Lido Road were African-American soldiers, correct? Correct. Right. right. And, so, and so from your research, is this something where the, did the soldiers have to be forced into doing this, or is this something that where they kind of signed up to do it, they kind of saw the importance of building the road? Were they in the resistance to any of the white superiors? So what happened was most of these guys were drafted. Many of them were drafted. And okay. um, they were 
they didn't know what they were going to get into. They didn't. They knew they had been trained. They had some training right down here in Carabelle, you know, because of the uh-huh. kind of uh, terrain and uh-huh. what. Okay, so some of them trained right down here. They would come up here to Tallahassee and stay at some a uh, couple of houses there across from the bus station. If they had missed the bus, they could stay right up over in there. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but um, they didn't, like other Black folks during World War II, um, many wanted to um, uh, do their part for uh, the country. Uh, they wanted to fight, uh, many of them, just like with this Tuskegee Airmen, they, they wanted to do that. And right. these Many of them were drafted. Like I said, they didn't necessarily know what, what they were going to do. Right. But they found out what they were going to do. Of course, they did it with pride. I didn't find any of them uh, doing. I had oral histories with dozen, maybe a dozen or so. I didn't find any okay. of them to be bitter. They they had some, they felt some kind of way because they felt like they weren't recognized for the, the different things they brought to the table. Like the gentleman here in Tallahassee, <laughs> Mr. Eddie Barrington, he was in the 45th, mm-hmm. and he built, he was a road builder, okay? Right. And he came, he realized at some point to build this road, they had to have rock, not gravel, right? Because you had to have a base. Right. And they didn't have any gravel. So he realized that they could go down to the river and get the rock out of the bottom of the river and bring that into the picture, right? So he, he figured okay. that out. They had like a whole, uh, uh, like a, a way to dig that up and put it on this thing and it would bring it up to the site, but he didn't get any credit for that. They didn't like, they had a couple of feelings about not getting credit for the innovations they brought to the table because in most uh-huh. of them, they didn't have the right equipment. They didn't get the right supplies uh, and they had to figure it out. So because right. you're talking about uh, building a road through a jungle. So they had to dynamite tree, they had to, had to clear the path it was a, a, a quite extraordinarily dangerous thing. Their slogan was, um, they lost quite a few people, of course. Right. Uh, and uh, they said it was a man a mile. That was what they called right. it. Right. A man a mile. Right, yeah. And so, and that's one of the things that stood out to me as I was reading uh, your website about the building of the road is the the amount of death that happened, especially the amount of black death, but just that, that thing you just said, a man a mile. So, when you when you had a chance to speak, uh, say a name again, Miss Lassane, correct? Right. So, right. have you were you able to have a conversation with her about the amount of black death, and if so, um, what kind of information did she give you about either her experience or, or just the trauma that she witnessed from others who died or witnessed the death? Well, her personal testimony was that. When she first got to, uh, well, okay, let me put it this way. She had to have a layover on her flight to Burma. It was a layover. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they made her stay, because she's black, in some kind of a, a airplane hangar area. Uh-huh. And while she was there, because she couldn't go where the other nurses were, because they were all white right. at this particular part right. of the trip. But while she was there trying to get settled for the night to this next flight, I guess, they marched through this airplane hangar, a German prisoner. Uh-huh. And they're taking the German prisoner to the mess hall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, 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 yeah, see, that's what, that's that, that's what that was. And then when she got to the hospital, uh, there was one time there was a white surgeon for whatever reason, she was working with a white surgeon. And he did something to contaminate the site. They were in the middle of a surgery. Uh-huh. And he did something to contaminate the site. I don't know if he didn't take his gloves off or he did touch something. And she said, oh, doctor, you can, you're you cross-contaminating the site. And he jumped on her talking about, no, he wasn't, and this and that, something, something, something. But she held her ground. She said, no, you're contaminating the site. Right. So th- that kind of thing. Uh, and other little microaggressions. She didn't like that. They had some uh, movie stars come to visit them, the, the camps. Mm-hmm. Like, and they made the nurses, black nurses, get out of their little, they call them boshes. It's like a, almost like a tent. And they 
<laughs> they had little decorations in their area. They had carved out something from soap or wood, and they were trying to make it decorative in their little space that they were living in. Well, they made them right. leave with these so-called uh, movie stars. I guess they, they must have been white. And when they left the nurses' quarters, they took their little carvings with them, the white uh -huh. entertainers. And right. She, she, she right. remembered that all of these years that's those are the kinds of things that she never complained about the people she worked with the other black right. nurses they were friends for life actually she she knew all of those women all the rest of her life they were always uh in each other's company uh, from one time to the other they were all all those nurses but those kinds of little microaggressions that's the, those are the kinds of things there was one instance uh, among the men who had interesting relationships with their white superiors most of the time you know uh -huh. you can't make people work if they they'll figure something out if they don't want to do it so most of the white superiors according to the the informants that i spoke with had fairly uh reasonable and fair relationships with the black troops in the uh -huh. okay but there was a new guy who had come, a new white officer who had come. And apparently he was abrasive and very rude and completely out of line. Well, okay. he kicked one of the soldiers, the black guys. Oh, no. So he, they ended up cornering him in some tent. And they were all <laughs> around him. And one of the guys went and got the um, lieutenant colonel who happened uh -huh. to be there. They respected him. It was Lewis Pick. And he came. And he said to right. the guy, look, if you let me get this guy, I'll get him out of here tonight. But let me okay. get him out of the tent. So I can, you know. And they said, yeah, you better, you got to do something. Because he can't come out here. Yeah, he ain't going to kick no, you know. So that's what happened. The, the superior officer came and got the guy and took him out that night. Uh -huh. So they had some power that they seemed to be able to exert. Um, I'm not saying it was all inclusive, but there are these, these are, this is what they told me. These are some right. things that they said. So it was, okay. uh, you're so far away, you know, that there are, it's a different, you have to almost, it's almost like a, yeah, they're trying to enforce segregation, but at the same time, you, it's hard to do that exactly the same way you would when you're so far away and then you're in such close quarters with people and you're outnumbered. Right. Right. Now, but okay, so with you saying that, that leads me to one of the things I read about uh, Nurse Lesane when they were talking about a hospital that was created. And originally it was supposed to be for the black troops, am I correct? But one of the one of the superiors was he was adamant about it being for black, whites, or whoever over there, even though uh, white information was suggesting it was supposed to be only built for, for the black troops. Am I correct? Well, I think what happened was that there was a white hospital as well. But Miss Lassane's hospital is, is said to have been extraordinarily good. Right. So I think that they bent the rules in some instances and had people that even Mr. Barrington had malaria and they sent him to uh -huh. white they sent him to the white hospital to get treated and they treated him well. So it's uh -huh. a, it was, I think it's something that they were able to apparently work out over there. And it must have okay. had something to do with uh, which hospital did what best is what I'm thinking. Right. Right. So what, from your, from your viewpoint, from your research, what overall role did the, the black nurses play in the building of the Lido Road or in the care of the soldiers who built the Lido Road? Well, again, you know, there's that one black hospital, the 335th, and there is another white hospital further down the line. What happens is that you, they're probably maybe 100 miles, 200 miles down the road. And that's what uh -huh. that hospital is. So if there's something that happens in, in, in that district, everybody's going to come there. So right. they, they had um, dentists, uh, you know, every whatever you would need to keep everybody health is what they had in that hospital, and they right. they had a lot of a lot of responsibility for all those men and uh, to to try to keep them on their feet. Okay. Now, yeah. one also one of the things that was interesting uh, that I read 
when um, it was talking about the different people that they encountered, the different grouping of people. But one that stood out was the Naga people. <laughs> over. So did they ever elaborate on the Naga people? And the reason why I asked that, because I've I've learned a, a little bit of heard snippets of information about the Naga people. But what was that? Was information on the Naga people ever elaborated about in the in telling the story of the Lido Road? It's not in any of the official documents that I looked at. I'm sure somebody okay. did something, but okay. I think that uh, we had a correspondent who worked for the Pittsburgh Courier, and he mm -hmm. was also uh, one of the few um, uh, reporters allowed to black. Uh, reporters allowed to travel with the army and go where they were so he was over there and he always okay. thought, he always thought that the naga would cut they they cut your head off if you wasn't looking that's what he said he might be <laughs> <laughs> right but right. i think you know when you go to those countries there are going to be these different tribes of people right and the interesting thing that you now that you asked about is there there was one hanging that occurred uh during not during it was after the war but it it came out of the Lido road and that is that there uh, again this 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 young man had early on been put into well okay so he's coming from dc and he's kind of like uh, -huh. uh he wasn't in a gang but you know he was one of those slick kind of dc kids back in the day block boys remember that word yeah <laughs> Yes. It was one of those kind of things. And I think the army sent him. He either went to jail or went to the army kind of a situation. So he's over there. And I guess he started, you know, talking that smack or whatever. And they put him in the brig for like six weeks, almost as soon as he got there. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. the people who took care of him and watched them were the Nagas. Right. And he learned to speak their language while he was in there. Mm -hmm. So when okay. he had this incident down the road, where he shot the white officer, uh -huh. he ran into the Nagas uh, air, tribe, tribal area. And because they already knew him and he could speak their language, uh -huh. he was able to hide from the military for a long time. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. They finally caught him, but he was up there with them. Uh, and so I thought that was interesting that, that in six weeks time in the, mili in the, in the brig, the people who were waiting on him, bringing him food or whatever, they were all Nagas and he learned to speak. And they liked him. They hit him. Right. They took care okay. of him for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who's tuning in. Uh, once again, this is a historical conversation with Dr. Jerry C. about the African-American contribution to the building of the Lido Road, um, a service road that basically led from the Burma, India area on into China and the majority of the builders of this road were African American soldiers. And uh, what's up, Juanito? Thank you for tuning in. Now, the um, that now the road was what a thousand seventy nine miles. But you you did a good job of detailing the difficulty in the building of the road. But you also is a part where you you broke down a uh, hundred mile. Uh, 100 miles of the road being built, but the difficulty in the building of the 100 mile. And so in my mind, as I'm looking at that, because I had to go back and read that like two or three times to really like get it to really register in my mind, like the, the difficulty of it. So it is, it seemed from January to May, it took to, to build 100 miles of the road, am I correct? It could depend on what the terrain is. Like if you're in the, in the mountains, you're carving that out of the side of a mountain. So you've got to you okay. know, demo. For, if there's you know if there's any kind of trees, you got to get rid of that. Then you got this demo going on. It's God knows how mm -hmm. how high. God, you know nobody knows how high it is. Uh, uh, right. So you have. To, it's only one lane, right? So when there's a caravan. Caravan is going in one direction. It's not two lanes right. like that. So the difficulty is if it's a monsoon season, everything you do, right. every time it rains, it's liable to get washed away. Or the side of the mountain could fall in. So it's constant, constant trying to keep nature back, really. 
trying to, you know, get this road cut out before the rains come. And then when they do come, have it ready so it won't wash away. And if you're up thousands of miles in these Himalayas, you, you know, anything can go wrong. So, yeah, it takes a long time. And you imagine you got to have rock. That means you got to bring the rock from wherever it is, put it right. down, and this and that, and on and on and on. So, yeah. So, and so, do did they ever document the number of people that that were lost building the road? Was they ever documented? They may have had it. They had a fire mm -hmm. where all of these records had been kept. So okay. if, it, if the records hadn't already gone to the DC archives and they were in this other location, because they don't even have records of like the names of the people who were in the units, those kind of details are pretty much lost in, in, in many instances. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes if you get a unit history, you can get the names of people, but it doesn't tell you where they're from. Right. They might just have the names. So right. those kind of details, um, if they were in that, I guess was in St. Louis or someplace like that. If, they're, if they were there in that fire, it's, all of that's gone. Okay. And here's so the, I could just go in ahead. The, in the archives, <clears throat> where most of these photographs are from, uh, mm -hmm. so they didn't have them cataloged by black and white. They just had Lido Road. Right. So search through. I don't know. My husband would come with me. We'd just like sit there all day going through the photos to look for the black troops because they had mm -hmm. one time separated by black units and everything. Else. And then somebody came along and merged them all without it. Didn't right. get so and then that kind of followed all through any of the uh, documents that were published during that time. Now, there was a guy who right. wrote about Toledo Road. And I talked to him and I, I told him that, you know, he called the units, but he never said they were black. And right. his response was, it didn't make any difference. They were all Americans. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's not right. We, we know that's not true. No, that, that's right. not work. I said, you know, that you're doing a disservice to people by not telling them that the, who you're talking about are black folks. Where is the history mm -hmm. of what, what we did if you're the historian of it? And you don't right. know. Now, you know, so that, that meant that um, subsequently that information did come out, but it wasn't in some of those founding documents. Right, right, right. So why did they change the name from the Lido Road to the Stillwell Road? Mm -hmm. The man who was in charge of building it was Stillwell. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they, they, they were trying to honor him. So. Okay. Yeah, they they tried to change it, so that's when it ended up being Lido Stillwell. Okay, okay, Lido Stillwell. Now, did they ever? Do you know in in the I guess the thought process of renaming the road? Did they ever think about including something to commemorate the black soldiers who helped build the road? No, because when when, it, when the road was completed, and mm -hmm. the, first, the first caravan was supposed to go over the road, the whole thousand miles. They brought in white soldiers to right. drive. Okay, okay. So the black soldiers were the builders and the white soldiers were the drivers. No, the, the black soldiers had been driving all along. Okay. But for the photo op and for the announcement. Oh, right. Mm -hmm, okay. They brought in the white okay. and the, and the okay, black for the They were like, oh, no, that ain't going to happen. No. Uh -uh. So, so they, okay. they, they had to leave. They wouldn't let the white okay. soldiers drive. Oh, good, good, yeah, no. good. And I can imagine though, like I would, I would feel, I would have anger, animosity, all of that too. Like we, we're the ones that are dying building this road, and you really just go bring the white soldiers for the optics. Ain't that something? Yeah. They, and they never had driven the road; they just came right. From and the thing is, right. driving bombs. One of the truck drivers I talked to, um, I, you know, and I asked him, okay, well, what was in the truck? He said bombs. I'm like bombs yeah. right and he said the first time he drove it was at night oh, that's crazy yeah that's but that's why <laughs> there was one guy I interviewed he was from uh, Baton Rouge and in his post he was in charge of the mess hall mm -hmm. so he 
he had done, uh, he, he was telling about these truck drivers because this mess hall was at the top of what they call 13 curves. And it's right. one of the things, it goes downhill and it switchbacks back and forth, like real tight. You know, you know what I mean? Switchback? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So he said those guys would have like a race or a contest, contest mm -hmm. of going down that hill without touching the brakes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, oh, come on. He was like, no, they thought that was fun, man. It would go down that hill. And so, you know, like anything else, um, we have a tendency to, to make it uh, an experience. And right. they had to go down that hill with all this stuff in that truck. Now, remember that that's, they don't come back up the hill because they're going to leave the trucks in China. So it's uh -huh. a hill thing. And there are 13 of these curves, at least. And so at night. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's, that makes that even funnier. Okay. <laughs> that they're just going down with no brakes. No right. Brakes. <laughs> right. And that's funny. The, the four ton GMCs or whatever. Right, yeah. right. That's funny. Yeah. Um, how you doing, brother IJ? Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dr. Lewis B. McCammon. Yeah, Lewis. You, <laughs> so you got how did you how did you get in contact with him? Well, could you explain who he is, how you got in contact with him, and the purpose of you being in possession of his photos? Mm -hmm. Lou found the website. Uh, no, he had found a couple of articles I'd written, and uh, he's out, he was out in California, and he was uh, a captain over one mm -hmm. of them. They were truck drivers. He was a captain of the unit, and of course, all of the people in the unit were black, and he'd worked with them so closely for two years, and he had been in his older age looking for them. Uh, he had, and as it happened, um, one of the informants that I had had worked with Lou. And so they were able mm -hmm. to connect that way and had a good conversation back and forth. But he had these photographs of them and he thought of right. online that maybe somebody would recognize them and uh, they would say so and he could contact them. He wanted to talk to them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, but this, it, to me though, one of the best parts about what you did is you preserved a piece of black history that we like I if I wouldn't have if you wouldn't have sent it to me, I would have never known about this unless I've just stumbled upon it. Now oh, yeah. um after after Googling it, I see there are a lot of different resources and a lot of uh, other websites who spent time uh writing about the Lido Road, but you spent 10 years of research. So that's why I want to make sure I have you on here. Mm -hmm because just the time and the effort that you actually put in and the, the amount of pictures, because I'm looking at some of these pictures and it kind of, it, it it seems like some some of the scenes from some of the army movies that you would see, but you, I'm thinking in my head, this <laughs> is not an army movie, this is real life, and these are black people. Yeah, yeah. Like, these are black men, and it's a lot of black men that have their uh, wrangling horses, blowing up the sides of the mountain, like you, you emphasize they, they cut through mountains. Yes. And you know, exactly. I mean, it was a monumental task. It was something that the the British didn't want any parts of it. Neither did the French. Mm -hmm. They were like, hell no, I ain't built. What? A road? No. <laughs> and they ran because that was, right. they, were, they were there, but they were like, mm -mm, nope, can't do it. So this is the the part of, uh, uh, of the story where, you know, Americans like... <laughs> Oh, Emmanuel and uh, Hamilton says they get the job done, right? So uh, this is that. But the biggest right. thing, the reason I took such a long time actually was I was trying to figure out, you know, when I tell kids to write a story or write a paper, I need them to tell me, so what? And, okay, mm -hmm. so what? Now what? What's it mean? So here's, a, here's right. a, the connection is that after the war, uh, Truman there was a big push to integrate the army, okay? Big push. Mm -hmm. uh, a. Philip Randolph, all those names that you know, they wanted the army integrated. Right. And so Truman put together 
a committee to study it called the Gillum called the Gillum board okay and on the Gillum board he put Lewis Pick who was the lieutenant colonel over the Vito Road project all together he and his right. aide um his he and his aide uh well Pick was on the board the aide came with him they lifelong buddies okay so the board called witnesses to testify mm -hmm. about the behavior and the work and the disposition of black soldiers that they were around. And a lot mm -hmm. of the uh, testimonies were very negative, talking about how black folks ran from work and they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And um, quite a, quite a, a testimony of um, undermine, just really nasty. Mm-hmm. But since Lieutenant Colonel Pick was on the board, he already knew what black folks could do because he was right. on the leader road. Okay. Right. And so for whatever they said, he could counteract that with his stories of bravery, mm -hmm. inventiveness, innovation, mm -hmm. loyalty. He could counteract that. So right. at the end of the day, one of the main reasons that the army was integrated, now that particular board, there was another board after that, but this particular board laid the groundwork. So one of the reasons the army got integrated is because of the work of the Lido Road, not the Tuskegee Airmen, because they were your upper class black folks. These people, mm -hmm. the road, these are people from farms and inner cities, and they had trained, they couldn't read some of them, some of them could, some of them were professionals. But you had 6,000 black people from God knows where all over the United States who could come together and do something that nobody thought could be done. Right, right. But so when we think about integration in the army, we need to think about the Lido Road guys. Those right. are the men upon whom the whole um, proof is founded. On their work, right, right. Also, um, it highlights and emphasizes the black contribution when it comes to armed forces. Um, black people have literally fought in every, every. war on American soil every. and contributed greatly. Now, to to connect it to modern day times, um, you know, we're in the midst of of a lot of the protests that have reignited with the death of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, then you have, uh, in the NFL, have Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the flag, well, kneeling, doing the anthem, and white people saying, you're disrespecting the military, disrespecting our ancestors, like the quarterback Drew Brees. My grandfather, both my grandfathers were in the military. They fought in the wars and these things. Okay, so a story like this is good for our young black kids to know when white people start talking like that, yeah, you're like, well, hold up, stop, stop now, because we fought in every war. My grandfather's grandfather, grandfather fought in that war alongside, because it wasn't just all white people fighting. And so it 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 it'll for me it'll show that we can we can be patriots and still fight our racism in this country because what we've been patriots from the beginning. Our ancestors have fought in every war yes that's right and when these guys got back to the united states the contributions they made are are still with us one guy came back uh memphis i think he went to memphis but he wanted to go to law school mm -hmm. got, and they wouldn't let him right so he started his own law school <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> and remember <laughs> Another. Uh, Do you remember the name of the law school? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't. But it's okay. It's it's somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I I don't remember the name of it. I really right. don't. Mm. Right. And That's fine. Went on to have the, one of the biggest churches in Chicago. Huge, okay. Huge church. Okay. And then, um, so each one gentleman was chair of a department at uh, 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 at the school in the black school in Baton Rouge. So, I mean, okay. these people 
made a, some incredible contributions. And like I told you, the war correspondent at the Pittsburgh Courier, I mean, he went on to be an incredible journalist. And like I said, he had these, you know, wonderful bona fides coming back. Who else would have been there? So, I mean, these are people who were very instrumental in, in the, you know, the whole African-American movement after the war, you know, built right. up, it got to the 60s, but they did a lot of stuff prior to that. Even I think that Deacons of Defense, those guys, mm -hmm. they had all been Army people. Right. They were. So they knew how to they use were. a gun, you know. Right. <laughs> So I think these these would have I know that Mr. Barrington here in town was really instrumental in the bus boycott. So mm -hmm. they all were kind of contributing figures in their own communities to get the segregation uh, as the law letter of the law. Right, right. So in conducting your research, like where were you able to find information who were some of the different people you were able to talk to like what what did you have to go through did you have to travel to certain places just what all consisted in your research yeah my my husband got real tired of going with me to these places we went everywhere we went to people's houses we after we found miss lassane would get gave me a list of names that she knew and then i'd go talk to them right. they'd give me a list of names that they knew so I found a lot of people like that. Now the documents themselves, I don't. I, I ended up uh, going to, of course, the National Archives. That's uh, out in Maryland, and then uh, I had mm -hmm. to go to the Army War College. That's in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. So, um, and then I had to travel to people's homes to to get those oral histories. Well, Philadelphia, <laughs> and. Um, we spent a lot of time on the road going to talk to people and they all, right. you know, they really wanted to talk about what they've done. And we were able to finally get the Department of Defense to have a, 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 a ceremony to recognize uh -huh. some of these vets. And we were able to get maybe six of the vets here for that recognition ceremony. And um, that I was happy to be able to get at least something. I wanted them to go to D.C but they wanted to come here or not the department of defense people wanted to come here to go right. to for something. But okay. That's fine. Just do something, say something for them, you know, but right. what I do that's want to do is they have at the Pentagon, uh, a hall that represents the contributions of black soldiers. And I've been trying to get them to include the leader. Of okay. So that's kind of an uphill fight. It, it's, um, uh, to, the only reason we got the recognition ceremony is I wrote to Senator Nelson and I told him about these people and he supported that and wrote to the sec deaf. And from there, uh, we were able to get the recognition ceremony. Okay. Well, hope, hopefully from, from what we're doing here, our conversation here, um, everybody who's watching, please like, comment, share, um, because we want to be able to spread this this story more, get more information out about Leo Road. Um, does does the army even recognize the building of of the leader? I guess the African American contribution. Does the army talk about it from that standpoint? If you know, when it comes to Black history and things, some of them do. Um, I was able to give a paper out in uh, uh, California, they have a, a place they they have um, practice bombs and whatnot, an ordinance base. And that commander wanted to bring us out to talk about the Lido Road. I think at the uh, uh -huh. Department of Defense level, there is interest, but um, I can't say that they've jumped up and down about it. And I kind of not pursued it since I got those guys the recognition. I think I have to kind of almost wait for people to change jobs <laughs> and mm -hmm. I can uh, start that up again because all of my informants are, are passed now. So right. I don't have to, there might be a few out there and maybe this will end up reaching some of them. But I'd like to see a documentary. That's what I'd like to see. When, um, I got a chance. Right. To, I got a chance to give a paper uh, in Kunming, China. And so my husband and I had a chance to ride on that part of the road a little bit. Some of the old road was still there. Okay. And so we had a chance okay. to 
take a look at that. But that was kind of an amazing moment just to see that part of it. But I would like to see a documentary. And now, mind you, that's still the only road between India and China. And it's wow. I so okay. right now it's in, um, you know, Burma is not called Burma anymore. Myanmar and it, whatever. Anyway, right. That part of the country is off limits to people. So you can't go there. Okay. Yeah. But it's still the only overland route between India and China. And there's big talk about trying to put it back together because, you know, uh -huh. it's the only one. Right, right. Um, thank you, Nemesis X. I appreciate you for tuning in to the conversation and listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so as you were as you were there, what what did was it the same as you have imagined? Or I know it wasn't exactly the same as when the soldiers were building the road, but because um, you know how we will we will create an image of a place in our head, or we have certain expectations. But when you were there, what what did the Lido Road looked like? What was some of the, the landscape? Uh, how well, was it laid out? Yeah, some of the original part was there because the guy was the, the gentleman who rode us around and we had an interpreter naturally. And so they knew mm -hmm. where the old part of the road was. So they took us there first. And I went, kind of went right. up the side of a mountain there uh, in the Kunming, very it's mountainous. But the thing that I thought was fascinating was that, you know how we have like a yellow line down the middle of the road? Well, they take bricks. This is the original road now, and it's in the city, so it's not going to be as um, rough as the ones that are outside the city. So this is in the city. And in the middle of the road, right. they would take a, the brick, instead of laying it flat, they lay it up on its edge. So uh -huh. if you were driving, you could feel the tire hitting that, right? So all the way up the middle of the road, you can you can see the 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 bricks on edge like that, and I thought that was kind of interesting. But in most of the land right. on the original road was just um, a lot of forests, a lot of trees still, and like I say, it hugged the side of the road. When we got to the uh, main part of the Lido Road that had been rebuilt, it looked like any other highway in any other country. They just made okay. it up. Okay. Like a three six lane highway. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. If um for all of our viewers, if you have a question, go ahead and type your question in the comment section in. That way we can get to your question if you have any questions about the Lido Road. Um it's to me like this is like I said, this is fascinating information. I'm a history buff. I love little known black history stories. It's cause there's a lot of them it's so much power in these stories. Um, especially when you know, you, you kind of feel exclusive when you're part of a small group of people who know it, but you also want to make sure that everybody knows of this because this is a, when we're talking about engineering as well. Yeah. This is a this is a marvelous engineering feat. You cut through, I'm going to say it again, you cut through a mountain mm -hmm. and you created a road and, and this road still exists today, um, even though it's not used the same, but it's still, it, it still exists today. You know, historically, look at a lot of black structures that were built by black people, uh, African people, wherever in the diaspora that are still standing. Right. And so that, that magic is still in us. Yeah. Yes. All around us. Yeah. And I think that um, it was so empowering. Can you imagine being 18 or 19 years old? And this is your, right. this is your world. I think a lot of these folks were just when they got back home. Some of them wanted to stay in the military, you know, but they wouldn't mm -hmm. let. Them. They wouldn't let them. But I know that Miss Hussein talked about, uh, you know, when she came back home. It's very similar to right now when the guys come, when women come home. She said that she didn't have anybody to talk to because they hadn't been through what she'd been through. Right. And it was a little hard for her, she said, to get accustomed to uh, being around people. Uh, because they, she thought they had such silly problems that they were working out. You know, they, I guess in her mind, what, how can that be a problem? You don't know a problem, right? You know, but right. I think that 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 still holds true today. But you can imagine trying to re-enter a community when you've been through this kind of thing. It's it would be hard. I bet, I bet it would it would be very hard. And she really wanted to stay in, but they wouldn't let her. So I think right. 
uh, a lot of these guys wanted to stay in, you know. Okay. Let them. And the thing have is, you, mm -hmm. have you, have you, um, had any continuous conversation, any conversation with some of the soldiers that actually built the road? Well, yeah. Um, all of the informants, I guess it's nine or ten of them. They were all on the road. They either trucks drivers, right, or right, right, uh, construction people. And I told you about right. the guy that built the bridges, and right. the guy at the mess hall. And, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They all were there. Okay. <laughs> so, so throughout throughout your your research, what was I guess I would say the highlight of of your research what was what was something that stood out the most to you either about the contributions of african americans or just about the building of the road overall well you know what i'm i kind of believe in serendipity mm -hmm. and so uh you know when you're with the school of business as faculty you have to go out on an internship every summer mm -hmm. so one summer i got assigned to march air reserve base in um riverside California. And I thought, oh, that'd, that'd be kind of fun. My brother lived in LA, so I stayed with him. Uh -huh. Drive up to Riverside. Well, during my course there, I realized that they were the, like librarians of Department of Defense films. And if you right. wanted a film about something in the Army or any of that, you had to go through them. Uh -huh. And they were archivists, really. I mean, they really knew their topic. And so I had been talking to a couple of people about the Lido Road or whatever. And the guy just, he said, oh, I got a film on that. Uh, yeah, he said, oh, there's all black people in there, right? And I almost mm -hmm. like fainted. I thought I was right. going to faint because <laughs> it was like a, like fate put me right there. He said, yeah, right. let me get that for you. I was like, what because there wasn't any video of it you know there weren't any um i couldn't find any video of any of that i i had a couple of things but it wasn't exactly of the guys working or none of that and back in the day they would have these shorts they would put on like you go to the movie right and then they put on mm -hmm. a little, little movie before the movie and they put on a cartoon well the right in world war ii they would put out these military little videos at the movie theater and that's what he had and it was on the Lido Road and it uh, it opens up with the guys they were playing basketball at one of the bases <laughs> they talked about the Tagap uh 335th station hospital so all the stuff I had been talking looking at in um you know documents was all on that film right. and they gave me wow. permission to use it so that was right. like the highlight because they didn't even have that in the archives in DC. So I was right. so tickled. And I, you know, that that here I am right in the right place at the right time and just <laughs> uh, 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 just off the cuff comment brings this kind of thing. It was amazing. Right. Now that's that's a, that is great though. Um because all of the time that you've been putting in researching this and this just helps to validate even more but also give you more visuals and this actual footage of it. So that's amazing. And that, that's the footage that's on your website. Mm -mm, I didn't put that up. That's a that's a okay. stock film you can get just anywhere. This other one ain't okay. up. <laughs> okay. 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 And then the other thing was I got invited to um, contribute a paper to um, a journal about uh, what happens when people uh, are allowed to get a kind of decent education and what are some of the struggles that people have. Um, trying to get an educate minority educations and this and that. And this guy invited me to put this Lido Road piece. And that's where we got a chance to go to China because okay. he was going to be in Kunming. And I was like, okay. so he had read the work. He said, you got to figure out a way to do this paper so you can get to Kunming. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I went there and that was, that, that was amazing. Cause it's not like any other country that I know. Right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's just I'm just so amazed. Like that's why I love history because we've black and I keep uh, emphasizing the African diaspora is is so amazing. It's so diverse, but it's so amazing. But the the 
the amount of contribution that black people, no matter where in the road, have just given the world. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, that's why I always encourage people to dig through history. Like, do your research. Like my website, ontheshoulders1.com. Go to my website. There's a lot of information. But also, um, I want you all to learn a lot more about the Lido Road. So um, Dr. C's website is lidoroad.org. Make sure you visit the website. Uh, go through all the information, read the information, comment, do all the, these things. But do you have other uh, places where people you want people to go to see some of the information that you have on Lido Road? I think that, like you said, when you Google it, you will see that there are a lot of people do, putting up different things. And some people have uh, their own personal uh, film and, and stories to tell. They're um, not necessarily all black folks putting it up, but it'll give right. you sense of you know what it looked like and, and that kind of thing. One thing I want to encourage and one thing I always encourage even my students to do was to take oral histories of your uh, elders in your family. Yes. And find yes. out their stories because quite frankly there are you know some amazing stories right sitting next to us but we don't right. stop and, and take those and it's really important that people understand what kinds of challenges folks have, have met and what they've been through and how they uh -huh. able to get through it. Uh, Cause you know, older folks don't necessarily tell you about right. those times, but once you start right. talking and ask them, you know, what was it like to be in high school? You know, or what'd you do when you got out and how did that work? What was your right. first job? Just, just ask the questions and find out the kinds of courage that it has taken for African-Americans to live yes. in America. And they're all right yes. next to us. Yes. Well, and, and that's why it, that's why I, I don't like when I see the slogan uh, from young people today, I'm not, they say I'm not my ancestor and they followed up with something as if what what's being done today is something new I'm or even right. more advanced than what our ancestors. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's easy for, it's easy for me me to run through a jungle with a path already paved but if i have to we have to bushwhack that path of course i'm gonna it's gonna be more resistant so that's one thing i want my generation and younger to understand is if i'm standing on the shoulders of giants mm -hmm. i can see further yeah. but the, a foundation has been made so we have to show more respect to the ancestors but they need to know more about this history and they just don't know that's why that's another reason why we're having these conversations exactly. so we can get this information out so yeah. they can know. And they're, they've got people who yes, are probably in other wars, Vietnam, their relatives are probably, mm -hmm. you know, they need to get those stories from them because they not aren't necessarily right. going to be in the mainstream stuff, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, if, if people want if somebody just wants to interview you, people want to find more, can, how can people get in contact? Okay, with you? so on that website, there's a contact page. On the website? Yeah, they okay. can go right there and I'm type in. I get emails all, right. all the time from people, you know, about this or that. And some people have stuff they want, to, want me to keep and um, different little magazines they find from their grandparents' stuff. Or, you know, something fell out of something and did I want it? Like that. But yeah, go ahead and email. Okay. And if I know, I'll. Well, all right. <laughs> all right. And once again, the, the website is lidoroad.org, L-E-D-O-R-O-A-D.org. And it's actually in the description. There's information about uh, Lido Road and the, and the website is actually in the description of this video. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you comment, you like, comment, subscribe so we can get more people engaged into this conversation, more people information about Lido Road. And make sure you subscribe to my own shows of giant YouTube channel. Are Go there ahead. any filmmakers in your crowd? I think it would be a really good. Film. There, there are a few. Yeah, there are, there are a few filmmakers, but I actually know two filmmakers who, right. uh, well, actually know four filmmakers that come to mind. But um, one guy named Christopher Everett who put together the Wilmington on Fire documentary. Um, I was able to interview him on my podcast. And my good my good brother, Doctor, um, my good brother, Professor Carlton Jones, who put together a real a great documentary called the Independence Day Project about solutions in the black community. Because the question was, um, what does the independent black community look like? So they're kind of giving a blueprint to what uh, to create an independent black community. So those two, 
like acting filmmakers that I know, Professor Carlton Jones and um, Christopher Everett. Okay, because I think this yes, this would be a good story. I think it would. Um, right. I think it'd be good for people to see. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, thank once again, Doctor C. Um, I'm greatly appreciative for you coming on my channel and giving information about the Lido Road. Um, like I said. Before before you and I reconnect, I had no idea what the Lido role was, never heard about it. And I want to make sure my audience know about it because I like to share information and don't like to keep it in the dark. So um, I greatly, greatly appreciate you stopping by. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm, I'm really um, thankful that you're interested enough to ask to have this. I appreciate you. No problem. No problem. We will be speaking again soon. Okay, cool. Yes, ma'am. All right. See everybody later. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you. All right.